I'm Maria Bartiromo. I'm Greg Gutfeld. I'm Liz Clayman, and this is the Fox News Rundown. Monday, January 17th, 2022. I'm Trey Yingst. Tennis star Novak Djokovic was deported Sunday after his visa was canceled over the weekend by Australian authorities. He was hoping that the exemption that he would get that was based on the fact that he reported it that he's had COVID in the past would be enough. This is the Fox News Rundown, Evening Edition. A federal judge dismissed an appeal by the number one ranked player to overturn a decision to revoke his visa. The case of Djokovic received international attention after he was detained upon arrival to Melbourne earlier this month. He spent four nights in an immigration detention hotel. Djokovic had been granted a medical exemption to enter the country to play in the Australian Open despite not being vaccinated against COVID-19. The 34-year-old had coronavirus last month, but Australian border officials ruled he doesn't meet the criteria for an exemption. That argument was echoed by Australia's immigration minister, who pulled the visa, noting that Djokovic did not include on his entry forms that he had traveled to multiple other countries over the past two weeks. He arrived a short time ago to his homeland, Serbia. For more on this story and others you might have missed over the past week, this is Jonat Freeling, a senior Fox News field producer. And he has um, spent the past 10 days fighting the very strict Australian COVID regulation that only give access and visas to vaccinated people. Djokovic is a very pronounced anti-vaxxer, and he was hoping that the exemption that he would get for the uh, Australia Open tournament um, that was based on the fact that he reported that he's uh, had COVID in the past would be enough. But the border police of the Australian authorities um, decided it's not enough and also questioned the um, fact that he was actually actually had COVID um, a short time ago. Um, He tried to, he and his team tried to um, appeal twice to the high court of um, these regulations in Australia. Both of the times his case was denied. And yesterday morning, he has left Australia back to his hometown and he will not be able to get his probably what he was hoping for, the 21st uh, Grand Slam title and breaking his own record and the record and breaking the tie between his rivals, Rafael Nadal Nadal and Roger Federer. And um, this morning, um, the Roland Garros, the French tournament, has announced that he will not be able to participate as well unless he's going to get his vaccines before that. It's really interesting when you break down how this happened. I mean, he arrived in Melbourne, thought he had the right paperwork, and then was told he needed to go to an immigration detention hotel. So you had the world's best tennis player being detained by Australian authorities. Yes. Um, And his team and also the Serbia president saying um, that it might have been targeting uh, the Australian authorities targeting him specifically because of political issues and because he's such a celebrity who is opposing vaccines and questions the fact of COVID. Um, The Serbian president, Aleksandr Vincic, said that the hearing and all the procedures uh, following were humiliating and uh, full of lies. And um, by the end, while they were trying to humiliate Djokovic himself, they were the one who 
have been humiliated. We've seen many of the Serbian um, immigrants to Australia protesting in favor of Djokovic, supporting him outside the immigration center and outside the court. Um, and it caused quite a stir uh, between Australians about how severe and if this was the right thing to do with Djokovic. Absolutely. And it's such a political issue in Australia with the differences in policy based on the Commonwealth as a whole and then the individual states. And that was part of the issue that he felt he had got the appropriate approval from Victoria, but didn't have it from the Australian federal government basically is the gist of his major problem. And he got legal representation, but it was too late. The decision had been made by the immigration minister and they ultimately moved forward, battled him in court, and he lost the appeal. I want to shift now to another story our listeners might have missed over the past week. And that's a volcanic eruption underwater off the coast of Tonga, an island nation in the Pacific. This is an island nation that's made up of hundreds of islands, but there's a a main island where most people live and it had limited communication after this eruption. What do we know about this story? Um, This was a very huge uh, and very, not rare, but not as common as we think, despite the fact that this is a very active seismic region uh, in the Pacific Ocean. Um, Hunga Tonga Hapai volcano has erupted under, under the sea, causing a huge plum of smoke and water and steam that was seen about 20 kilometers 12 miles into the air and sending it um, in and causing huge tsunami warnings in New Zealand, Japan, and even the United States and Peru. Um, the island itself with almost 100,000 um, residents have been covered b- with um, ashes from the volcano, um, has been flooded, um, and the internet and phone connections are down. And I'm saying this because this is significant. We did not hear of any injuries so far. But according to the Red Cross organization, um, they're fearing that because of the uh, communication lines are down and nobody um, can reach anyone on the island, including rescue services, the scope of the Um, disaster might be um, underestimated. And with the help of Australia and New Zealand sending surveillance um, flights to survey the damage and see what they can do, um, we might know, um, we might have different figures of casualties and damage and so on. You've been listening to Yonat Freeling, a senior Fox News field producer. We'll be right back. I would definitely recommend people look up the satellite images that were released about this explosion. I mean, it looks like a nuclear weapon went off. There's like a mushroom cloud that continues out and it's captured very clearly in HD from a number of different satellites. I want to shift now to our last story that people might have missed. And it's a story developing today, further Iranian proxy action in the Middle East. There was a drone attack targeting the UAE, which is a country that isn't often targeted by Houthi forces in Yemen, and reports indicate they are the suspected group behind this event. This happened in the early hours of Monday, today here in the city of Abu Dhabi. So we're talking about an attack in two separate areas um, that killed three people. Um, the drone, the explosive drones uh, targeted um, oil trucks about 13 miles away from the city center of um, Abu Dhabi and not far away from the El Dafra 
air base that hosts U.S. and French forces. And another um, incident um, happened at the external facility of uh, the international airport of Abu Dhabi. Three incidents of fire erupted and sparked there, um, and police said their investigation is underway. Uh, a preliminary finding indicated they have found small flying objects, probably drones. That's what the police, local police said. Um, and the Iranian-backed militias claimed that, or claimed a few hours before that they're going to say uh, share the news about big story in uh, in the UAE, but they haven't said anything. So that's why people are assume that this is um, related to the Houthi um, organization. This is not the first time that the Houthis are targeting both the UAE and Saudi Arabia with explosive drones, um, especially oil tankers or oil facilities around um, the peninsula. Um, the UAE have been involved in the civil war in Yemen since 2015. And while in recent years it has withdrawn some of its forces, it still sends uh, support to um, the militias, local militias that are fighting the Houthis. It's quite interesting, this conflict, because the Houthis have the ability to target countries that are thousands of miles away from their location because they are supported by the Iranian regime with drones and ballistic missiles and weaponry that normally would only be used by a nation state. So to have rebel fighters making these decisions and targeting their enemies in the Gulf is, is quite significant and does risk drawing in other countries to support their allies into this ongoing proxy conflict. Definitely a developing story to follow. I want to get quickly to our good news story this week. It's a very touching story that comes from the a city of Warburn in Massachusetts, a letter that was written by a young army sergeant in Germany to his mother arrived late, but arrived 76 years later. We're talking about Sergeant Gonzalez wrote the letters on December 6, 1945, sending his love to his mother and hoping to get home by Christmas that year. He has passed away in 2015, and someone found the letters in recent months, looked for his next of kin and found his wife, who is 90 years old, and she was very touched to get this present from the post office with his handwriting. And she said, it's like he came back for a brief moment, and that was so amazing. That's a great story. I love these stories that end like that. You're not freeling a senior Fox News field producer. Joining us once again on the Fox News Rundown Evening Edition podcast. You're not. Thank you. Thanks, Trey. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up to the minute news, go to foxnews.com. The Fox News Rundown, a contrast of perspectives you won't hear anywhere else. Your daily dose of news twice a day. Featuring insight from top newsmakers, reporters, and Fox News contributors. Listen and subscribe now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.